all good, baby, baby. Check it, check it. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know, you know. Here I am, no job, nowhere to live, no money coming in, and I get another chance. So, like, I'm not just, like, a second-chance dreamer. I was getting all these, you know, other chances. Here comes your third chance, you know? So, my Aunt Jamie, who's my godmother, she had lived a very interesting life herself. Her and I are very much cut from the same cloth. She had a soft spot for me. She's like, you come live with me and work with your Uncle Vinny on the plumbing truck try to start to get your life together. So my, I was working with uh, Uncle Vinny huh, on a plumbing truck, um, living with my aunt and their two daughters, and I'm 27 years old. Now, how frustrating is that for somebody who my ego had been became so big at that point from selling drugs and still being looked at like I was a man around town because of people I associated with and things I was accumulating and respect that I had, obviously from the wrong people, but... Um, now here I am, living in my aunt's basement, working on a plumbing truck, lugging water heaters, and getting a, another chance. You know, family held me down again. But guess what? I'm still a drug addict in the basement. It's like, if you've ever seen the movie Flight with Denzel Washington, I want to give you a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Flight with Denzel Washington, fast forward. But right? Okay. Um, but anybody who has seen Flight with Denzel Washington, you know like there's so many instances in the movie where he just can't stop drinking alcohol. No matter what's on the line, you he just couldn't stop in that movie. And that was me. Like I just couldn't stop. I was and I had never you know, I knew that, that I had a serious drug problem, but I never knew I was a drug addict until now I save up some money working plumbing in my aunt's job. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. I've got to get out of her basement. I want to get an apartment. So what do I do? I decide when I'm out one night at the bar sniffing Coke, which I was still doing, meet a kid. He is like, knows who I am, knows what I do, knew what I did. Doesn't realize I don't have that job anymore. Doesn't realize like I'm not going to pick that up. I tell him I still do, right? He said, yo, man, cool. Yo, can you get me like 50 grams of Coke? Yeah, sure, man. I, I'll, I'll get you 50 grams of Coke. I'm thinking, one, I'm either going to take some out of it, have some free cocaine. Two, I'm going to charge him more than what it really is and make some money off it. Or three, he's not getting shit. And I'm taking it all and I'm selling it and I'm making a come up and I'm getting out of this fucking basement. So, um, and, and God had another plan, <laughs> you know? So I get this kid's money. I drive with a friend, go pick up the cocaine in the Bronx. He drops me off uh, to my car and I'm about to bring this kid 
to cocaine. I'm about to make some money. I pull over in Orangeburg, over by where this Planet Wings is over there. It's a little back parking lot. I'm back there. I hadn't tested it yet. I said, hold on. Let me, you know, let me test this cocaine. I sniffed some of it and I'm like, oh shit, this is pretty good. Let me break up a little bit on a CD case. There was still CDs out at that time, you know. Um, so I, you know, broke up a few lines. Christina, it's crazy. What I'm about to tell you is real shit. I did not get out of the car until all the cocaine was gone. I literally sniffed all of the cocaine in the car. I didn't get out. I got out one time because I ran out of cigarettes. I think I smoked like seven or eight packs of Newport 100s in the entire time I was in the car and had water that was like keeping me alive. And drove up to the gas station up there, went back down to my little spot and was there for like, you know, three, four days hallucinating. It's why it's important for you guys to know like where I was, you know, as as time was passing, like these events that I've gone through. I was literally in a car for days by myself, hallucinating, thinking people were like behind me, opening up the door, looking under the car, like what the fuck, you know? And then I had this vision of the second outer body experience I've ever had in my life is when I consumed this astronomical amount of cocaine and I literally saw myself, a different version of myself, get out of the car crawling onto the grass and having a heart attack in front of me. Like I saw it. It was there. Like something showed me this vision. Like get the fuck out of the car. This is about to happen. Get the fuck out of the car. Now I got out of the car. I left the door open and I walked up the street back to the gas station. I couldn't even drive up there anymore. I was gyrating. I got to the gas station and I asked the guy, I was like, can I use your phone? My phone was dead and the car battery had died. That's why I didn't drive it to. I'd left it on because I'd been writing raps. The music was on. Car battery was dead. So um, I get a little sidetracked telling stories sometimes because shit, there were some confusing, weird times. Um, so I get up to the gas station and I'm like, I got to call my aunt. I got to tell her what I did. And I knew she would understand. I knew she would. And, you know, she can attest to this that I called her and I said, Aunt Jamie, I'm here. I hadn't been home in days. And she's like, where are you, Mikey? Where are you? I said, I'm at this parking lot. Please, you know, come here. I need help. She drove there. My car was filled with bloody tissues from bloody noses I had. Bottles of urine from not wanting to get out of the car and pee. The same water bottles I was drinking, I'd fill up with pee. I was in there, in that car. And that was like a breaking moment for me of like, you almost died. This car almost became your coffin. Literally. And she came there and she hugged me and she was like, you need help. You know, you need to do something. You know, uh, you can't stay in my basement and then do this. Like, you're going to die. You know, something's going to happen. And, uh, you know, my, my parents obviously found out about it. And they were like, you need you need help, Mike. You know, we love you. And they didn't do like an intervention like you see on TV with me. It was just more of like, you're going to fucking rehab. You're not living with your aunt anymore. You're not living with us. None of your friends want you living with them, obviously. Um, so you need to go to treatment. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to treatment. I was desperate. I was broken. I had nothing. Now I've, I've robbed this kid of his money. I have no cocaine anymore. No more money to my name. I mean, it was ridiculous. No jobs out there, you know, that I could have possibly thought about getting. And I said, all right, well, 
I'll, I'll go into treatment. I did it to appease everybody, okay? And I went into treatment, and at this point, it was 2012, and uh, I, I finished the program, and I never felt so good in my life. I'm clean, I'm sober, off all substances, my family's proud of me, and I've got this sense of worth, self-worth back, you know, that we all strive to have. Like, hey, I'm going to mean something again. Like, this is going to be good. And the thing was, it wasn't. I hadn't done the spiritual work in that 28-day time period. 28 days is a flash in the pan. When you're an addict who's using substances heavily, by the time I came out of the fog, like, a week was done, you know. So I really only had three weeks in there because I was pretty much... Uh, you know, a Martian the first week in there, like, you know, still looking around wondering like where I really was. And I was just in some local facility, you know, but somehow I finished, I finished the program, coined out the guy, the guy was awesome. He was playing a Radiohead song for me and the whole group when he handed me my coin, cause he knows that's my favorite band. So he was playing, um, alligators in New York sewers when he uh, handed me my coin. It was like definitely one of the best, most amazing moments of my life. And, um, you know, I got out and I remained clean for a little bit, but I just didn't want it bad enough that I hadn't somehow I hadn't gone through enough pain. I, I mean, could you imagine that? Yeah. That somebody who almost died in a car doing a massive amount of cocaine, nothing I'm proud of. I don't say that because I'm looking for like street cred or I'm looking for like a pat on the back or for people to be like, shit, man, you're like Hunter S. Thompson. Like that's just not fucking cool. Like, I was dying in there. I was alone. And I was dark. And, like, you know, you would think that pain had been enough that I went into treatment now and I'm going to get my life together. But that's not how it went. Like, it's not. I, I got out. I remained clean for a little bit. I got another job at, like, a local produce place around here. And I started to make a little more money again. Not as much money as I made before. But I'm like, hey, I could climb up here and... You know, I start playing the tape and fast forward, like, hey, you could be manager of this produce place. You know, everything's going to work out. And I hadn't used yet at this point, right? So I helped set up this whole new grocery store, this whole new place. It's like part of a chain. I'm not going to name drop them because fuck them. They did me dirty and fired me. I mean, so I'm this person out of, you know, out of treatment, looking to get my life back on track. I set up their whole produce warehouse and I trained all the people under me. I had so much produce experience. For me, going from Hunts Point Market to local chain store around here was nothing. You know, I'm like, this this is cool. You know, I could get a little apartment, have a nice little job here. I'm not in the Bronx. I'm good now. So do the grand opening for this place, set it all up. I'm making a little bit of money. And about like a month after being at the job, the guy who owns the place sent his son in. And his son's like, hey, you know, you know, Turkle, let me talk to you real quick. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. Sure. I, I'm thinking I'm about to get like praise because the place is like running so well. I've got all the produce stuff set up right. And he was like, listen, guy, it's just it's not working out with you. I'm like, what do you what do you mean? He's like, you know, we just don't, you know, see a need to, you know, to have you on board here with us anymore. I'm sorry. You know, you did a great job. But like I got dogged basically because of my experience they're like oh we could hire this guy paying this little amount of money set this place up train these people and then they probably paid some other people less money than I was looking for to do my job and just basically like use me and got rid of me like somebody who had no confidence at that point no self-worth 
And now this wasn't going to be my career by any means, but I was like, this is a start, you know, like this is going to build up to something. And then all of a sudden just like shut down. No, like you're no man, we don't need you no more. And I was just like, whoa, okay. That de-escalated fast, you know? And I was like, shit. So, I mean, they still owe me one more paycheck. So I haven't told you this yet, but what do you think I did? With the last paycheck I had coming to me. You comforted yourself with drugs? I had one last shot. I came up with this plan. I'm like, you know what? Fuck these people at this place. They fired me. The world sucks. The world owes me something. I should have had this job still. It's not fair. I was there an hour early every day. All these things are running through my mind. And that other little voice said, it's okay. You're right. You know, you're, you're right. You know what makes you feel better. And... At this point, I knew people were doing MDMA, which is pretty much pure ecstasy. And I was like, that's that's what's popping right now. Go get some of that. Go out to the clubs and shit. Sell some Molly MDMA. Take this last paycheck you got. Flip it. And then you'll be back. And then we'll figure it out from there. Holy shit. That was my logical thinking. That was my logical plan. Grown ass man. I'm still thinking like my 16, 17 year old self. So what I did from there is pretty much a horrible, horrible chain of events of decision making. I took the money that I got and I bought a pretty decent quality of MDMA. And, you know, I forget how many grams it was, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I took it. My parents were away in Florida at the time and I chopped it all up and I'm like, I'm going to cap all these little MDMA pills up and I'm going to go sell them and, you know, make some money off and put some, mix some B12 in with it. And fucking, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to make more money than I thought I was going to make. Well, unfortunately I got to tell you how the story went again. I sit there meticulously cap up 75 pills of Molly and I'm like, all right, got them ready to go. I'm going out for the night to go sell these what do you think I did before I left? Took them all. Every single one of those fucking pills. Holy shit. I opened every single one of them up and sniffed every single one of them up my fucking nose. And I was completely gone. It took me five days to do it. To do it all. In my room. By myself. Nothing I'm proud of once again. I'm emphasizing the sickness that was and still, you know could be if I make a wrong decision could be me and that sickness that was inside of me and I literally did all of that MDMA and so now it's all gone the money's all gone again and people out there are probably like oh you fucking idiot like yeah like not again like the listeners out there might be like shit fourth chance yeah like you know um when when is he gonna get it right and you know and my parents didn't you know, really know that that had happened. So in the midst of all that too, I'm actually going to meetings for recovery around here and showing up high and meeting people in the rooms to get out of there. Like, no, you want to, you want to go over here after? And I, I know so-and-so still, I was like, I was demon in the room still, you know, I was working for, you know, I wasn't a Jedi. You know, I was working for the dark side. I was trying to, you know, get you to, you know, to ruin your life. 
So no job, no money. And somebody reaches out to me in the midst of me being quote unquote clean. Now at this point, I'm lying. I'm not actually clean because I'm just going to these meetings to appease my family. And I'm, you know, I, I just wanted to appear that I'm heading in the right direction, which I still wasn't. Uh, now this is actually finally the part of the story where things begin to change in another incredibly drastic way. Now there is a saying in recovery and it's some may die so that others might live. It's powerful. Some may die so that others might live. And unfortunately, that someone for me was someone who reached out to me. I was at a, you know, I was at a hotel when I was supposed to be at a meeting and I was actually at a hotel with a friend of mine and we were doing drugs and he was selling drugs and I was just back to that horrible lifestyle and my aunt reached out to me who like I never thought she had a substance abuse problem in my life you know she appeared to have everything together and you know regular little life shit going on here and there but like nothing like what I thought I was going through you know and she sends me a message and it was like on Facebook, she'd never messaged me on Facebook before. And she sent me a message and said, um, I'm so proud of you. And now keep in mind when I'm getting this message, I'm literally like chopping up lines in a hotel room with somebody who's selling drugs and we're doing like the worst we can do for the community, you know? And here's my aunt who I love very dearly and who's uh, the, one of the closest people to my mom in the world messages me telling me she's proud of me. I'm proud of you, Mikey. You know, you turned your life around. And you know what? You know, I need help. I need to come to a meeting with you. And me on cocaine, I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, I, I got you. I can show you the way. I'm going to introduce you to so many people. And, you know, don't worry about it. You know, everything's going to be fine. She's like, oh, you know, you know, thank you so much. I just didn't want to go in there alone. Uh, you know, and I know you're going to the meetings from what mom told me. Well, I wasn't actually going to the meetings, as you already know. I was just pretending I was. So I told her I would take her to a meeting the next night, which I obviously didn't because I overslept the next day from being up doing drugs. And I didn't call her. I called my other friends who, quote unquote, my friends who I was using drugs with and who were getting me high. And I didn't, I didn't call her to go to a meeting that night because I was wearing my mask still and I wasn't being real with everybody. And later on that night after I got back from those friends that I had called and I was out getting high with them, I came home and there was a police car in my driveway. And I walk into the house and there's a police officer standing in my kitchen. And my mom is wailing on the floor, crying, screaming. And she said, and so-and-so killed herself. And I mean, I said, what? She said, she's gone. And I said, no. I said, I just spoke to her and she said she's gone Mikey she's gone and my mom was like unconsolable and I I couldn't believe it I was like I didn't want to tell her right there like what am I gonna say she just reached out to me last night and tell her I didn't tell my mom that and I was like oh my god if, she, if I could have had her at that meeting tonight instead of like you know saying I was doing this if I actually would have done that she would have been out eating pizza like those people do after and get, going to get coffee with any, everybody. Instead, she was alone. And she went into her basement and she hung herself. Like, that's how dark her addiction took her. 
and I might have been her last line of defense that she reached out to. I don't blame myself for her death. You know what I mean? But had I been who I am today and she called me right now while I'm doing this podcast with you, I'd say, yo, I'll finish this with you later because I got somebody I got to go help. But um, I didn't I didn't do what I said I was going to do. And I wasn't being real up until that moment. And, you know, that woman loved me since I was a baby and knew me since I was a baby. And she asked me for help one time uh, and uh, and I wasn't there. And my addiction told me it was more important to be where I was than to where I really truly should have been. And I told myself in that moment, I will never, ever be that phony, that selfish, and on that path again. Like, I let helping somebody, like, change their life and still have a fighting chance. I, like, I let that slip right through my fingers, you know? Like, it hit so fucking hard. And that was, like, my moment of, like, second chance dreamers. Like, that was my moment of, like, we're going to turn this all around. You're not going back. You're not going back to that shit that just, that just made this happen. It's over. It's done. Like, I just had this feeling of, like, drive and purpose inside of me. And, like, I resented myself and I was mad at myself. And I was like, you're going to do something. You're going to write this. You're going to write this wrong. You can't bring her back to life, but you're going to write this wrong. You're going to do it. And, um, oh man, uh, I, I was given an opportunity to go, um, to another treatment facility. I had come clean with my parents and told them what was going on. And, uh, they gave me another opportunity, you know, to, to go into treatment. And, uh, I didn't tell my mom at the time that that had happened. I wasn't ready to let that out, but I knew if, I didn't get help. That secret was going to fucking kill me. I knew it. I felt something like evil, like right over my fucking shoulder. Like, yeah, now you're fucking next. I felt it. And I was like, no, no. And then like that 17 year old me from the ICU bed from the hospital showed back up. That was grateful to be alive. I was like, no, no, not now. You know, this is not the end of your story. And I took a chance and I, I got on a train and I took a 17 hour train ride and I went to South Carolina to treatment and I surrendered. I surrendered my life over to a higher power. I was done. I was done with the wreckage. I was done with the the decisions. I was done with that path. I, I Then I experienced too much pain. Then and only then did I experience enough pain that I had to see somebody laying in a casket that I knew I could have played a part in preventing. And I said, that's it. And I went into treatment this time and I said, find you, find yourself again. You know, find that kid that was on the walker in Nyack Hospital, learning how to walk again. You know, that was class clown, joking, making people smile and laugh, like find him, let's go, let's do this. And I went there and and I did, I completed the program, I stayed, and I, like, I not only, like, completed the program this time, but I helped so many people that were helping me in there, and I started to, like, feel other people's pain, I started to listen to their stories, I started to see how addiction was, like, plaguing our world, it wasn't just me who lost these jobs, 
It wasn't just me who lost people they loved. It's everybody, everywhere, all over this planet. And I started to hear other people's stories that stick with me to this day. I became compassionate again. I became empathetic again. I was, my ears were open. My eyes were open. My heart was open. My spirit was listening. And I started to feel right then and there in this treatment facility that people were there and seeing how vulnerable I made myself. And we're all equals. I was not a leader in there. I was an equal in there, but people gravitated to me for whatever reason I had been through and saw me in this light and trusted in me. And I was able to channel a message now when I got clean, when I took everything out of my system and I was channeling again what had helped me and kept me alive. I started channeling it and giving it to these people like this, this power, like of love and honesty and, you know, leading by example. And I saw that and I was just like, I was feeling happy again. I was like, this makes me happy. I've got no job. I've got no money. I've got no girlfriend. I've got nothing. I've got no house to go home to, but I'm happy. I'm happy for the first time in years, in over 13 years, I'm happy. I'm 30 years old. Every single one of my friends basically has their own house, has kids, the dog, the car, the job, you know, they're on Instagram or, you know, visiting the Bahamas and, you know, hashtag the good life. And I was okay with that. I'm like, they're where they're supposed to be. I'm right where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm supposed to be in this treatment center. This is, this is that part of my life where everything changes for the better. And there's a, a quote from the movie Vanilla Sky, every passing minute is another chance to turn it all around. So important. Every passing minute. Anybody out there who's like going through something that might be bringing you down, negative energy that's dwelling somewhere inside of you, like that feel like you can't be forgiven or you feel like you've wronged somebody or you've been wronged and you're going to stay on this path. Like I'm living proof that that's not how it is because every passing minute like is literally another chance to right those wrongs. As long as you're here, alive, and you're breathing, you can change it. You can. As long as you're here and you let love and light into your life and into your heart, you can change it. And no, I'm not saying that to be corny and cliche. I'm saying that because I've lived in darkness and I've lived in hatred. Hatred for myself, promoting hatred, and darkness with not being seen for who I truly am. So that's when I say love and light. I'm not just saying it in a cliche way. Like I'm at the music festival, like peace, love and light. I'm saying it like peace, tranquility within our hearts, within our minds, within our spirits and our souls. I found that. I somehow found it again. After that near-death experience, everything I had been looking for, every drug I was doing, the research chemicals I was doing and the mushrooms and the cocaine to try to find God, you know, to find the answer, the meaning of life. And the meaning of life was like in me all along, you know, to be a person of love, learn to love myself again was the first step. Once I love myself again, and I truly love myself again, I would know how to love another human being again and not poison them and not poison myself. And I did that. 
I was able to completely turn my life around to the point where I was hopeless, lost, confused, didn't have anywhere to go to, to feeling like it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. It's never going to be as bad as it was because I've led something into my life now that's going to guide me. And I left treatment and then I stayed home in New York for a little bit. And then I went to Florida on vacation with my mom. And it's important that like I tell this part of my story and my journey. I experienced something otherworldly. I had a dream one night. And at this point, I'm like four months clean. And I had a dream. And in this dream, I see this being walking down this long, narrow hallway. He's wearing like this grayish color, like robe or cloak or something and I was kind of like creeped out at first in the dream it was like eerie and there was like some other people sitting in the room with me I couldn't really see who they were and then I looked around and it was like I was in this like big castle structure and these long narrow windows I'm looking out and they're like I see outer space I see like the stars and I'm like and like me, I'm like, you know, I didn't really touch on this, but I'm into like ancient aliens and extraterrestrials and stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm on a spaceship, you know? Um, so that's what I'm thinking inside my head and my dream. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm on like a UFO. And um, so with that, this being comes like walking closer and then walks around like the back of the other people that are sitting in like this semicircle with me. It's like half circle that we're in. And I... I feel the being stand behind me for a second and like I got this, the fear again and I'm like I felt it closer to me and then the being like walked out and around and then stood in front of me and I trembled in fear in my dream like I was about to die. I only had felt that feeling one other time when I was on that ground laying there looking up at the sky like is this it? Is this the end? And I'm looking at this being and it's like made up of like shooting stars throughout its face and its hands and like I see outer space within the face and I'm like what is going on and then I like look closer and it was like one of those magic eye things that you remember from when we were younger and you look at it and then you can start to see the picture and I'm looking and I'm looking and then all of a sudden I see I see a beard and then I saw a crown of thorns and then I was like it was a sense of relief and like for me I firmly know in my heart of hearts that Jesus Christ came to me in a dream and said to me in the dream like when you were 17 laying in that street asking me to help you and you didn't want to die I held your hand and I kept you alive when you were struggling with drugs and sitting in that car and fighting for your life I was in the seat next to you I held your hand and helped keep you alive and never deny my name. And I sat up out of my sleep in my bed and I was like trembling. I mean, if you can picture it, I was like literally trembling. Like, and I sat on the edge of my bed and I wept tears for what felt like an hour, just pouring out happy tears. So like all these like crazy emotions that I was like, it was like, the valve had been opened up and like everything that I'd been holding back, all the emotions of sadness, of happiness and everything, I let it all out. And it was like the most euphoric experience 
I've ever had in my life. It was like that moment I was looking for from taking the acid. It was that moment I was looking for from taking the mushrooms and like this being to me that I choose to call Jesus Christ came to me and said, it's okay. You're going to be okay. I've been with you. I'm still with you and gave me what it was I'd been looking for. It was like this time you don't have to hurt. Like would it, for whatever reason, if I had experienced enough pain or if I was chosen to get that message for some reason, I, like I said, I'm an equal to everybody. I don't think I'm special for any reason for this, you know, but only because maybe I was willing to accept it and, you know, take it from there to where I went to after that. I said to myself in that condo in Florida, I said, I'm never ever touching a drink or a drug again. I knew it. And I, and, and I know people in recovery out there, if anybody's out there in recovery is listening and they're like, Hey, yeah, but it's one day at a time. Yeah, I know it's one day at a time. It's one minute at a time. It's one second at a time. It's life is, as it's going on, you know, things are going to happen. But I said that I'd seen what I needed to see. I knew, you know, and I felt it. And I've been clean now and sober, whatever you choose to say, since November 29th, 2013. And today is March 25th, 2018. So, you know, uh, with that, with that being said, I still didn't have a plan that I was going by as far as once I got clean, returned from rehab and had this, you know, prophetic dream and this life-changing experience now. And I worked a, a few different other occupations, all which I'd worked, um, you know, making deli sandwiches at one place. Um, another place I started working in a, in a medical field, you know, uh, as far as making medical ailments for people, which uh, I'm supportive of as well, too. And I started doing that for a little bit for, for about a year or so of my recovery, was remaining clean. And, you know, on a positive path, I was helping, you know, helping people in my life and uh, helping myself become a better person. And I still was like, all right, um, what am I going to do with this now, though? What am I going to do with this newfound love for life I have of helping people? And, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm helping, uh, you know, I'm helping these people out. I'm helping grow this. I'm, I'm doing that. And I'm like, but you know, this is still not, it doesn't, it's right, but it doesn't feel exactly where I need to be. I knew I was going somewhere else. And with that, I was in a meeting somewhere with a group of people and I shared my experience, strength and hope of which I'm doing with you right now. Not to the same extent, cause you got to keep it somewhat short, you know, but I pretty much gave a similar uh, version of this story. And there was this young woman who, you know, like myself, she's tattooed up, you know, from the neck down to the foot. And she was in from out of town. Uh, She had said that in the beginning. And after I had spoke and shared my story, she came up to me after the meeting. And at this at this time in my life, I was trying to figure out where I was going to move to. I was either going to move to Northern California or I was going to move back to Colorado. And I was like, I'm either going to be in Denver or I'm going to be up in the mountains of uh, California. So that was my two options. And uh, somebody said, just pray on it. You know, remember I told you earlier today, like, you know, pray on it, look for an answer, look for a sign, look for something. I prayed on it. And this girl after the meeting came up to me and she goes, oh, I just identified with you so much that was like 
so powerful and you know there's so many similarities in what we both went through she's like thank you she's like i'm in town just visiting and that was you know amazing and she she made my night too because i was nervous after i shared i'm like i hope that went well you know like same way that i'll feel after i leave from here from you like did i get everything out was i able to you know say something was i able to reach somebody um and she said to me i work for a company that helps get people into treatment and you would be amazing at it and i was like no way and she's like yeah she's like you would be absolutely amazing at this job. She's like, your presence, the way you speak, you're funny, you're sincere, and I could see you being awesome at it. And now, like, boom, like that, I was like, yes, this is like what I thought I wanted to do, probably deep down inside the back of my mind when I was younger. Didn't know it had to do with substance abuse, but I knew I wanted to help people some way. And I'm not going to be a firefighter saving lives, I'm not going to be a cop saving lives, but this girl's giving me an opportunity and I can help people that are struggling what I just went through for the past 13, 14 years of my life. I, I know some of the ways out now. I know some of the answers. And then this girl just opened up this window of opportunity to me. Like that was like my aha moment. And it seemed like it'd be a no brainer, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do this. And she goes, there's only one thing. And I said, here we go. Story of my life. She's like, it's in Florida. And I'm like, Florida? And she's like, yeah, it's in Florida, South Florida. Um, and so this girl, Veronica, uh, I'll keep her last name anonymous because that's how it goes. But Veronica, who's an awesome, amazing, beautiful, spiritual person who helps so many people on a day-to-day -day basis, she presented me with this opportunity and said, yeah, it's in Florida. And I was like, Ooh, and then like that nervous me that's like not using drugs anymore. I start feeling weird like, oh my God, can I make it in Florida? I don't really know nobody in Florida. Um, I was thinking Cali and Colorado and now like this wasn't even in the mix. But then a part of me said, let's see what it's about. You know, like you were praying for an answer. Hey, and you had that dream in Florida, you know, so maybe it was like guiding you back there. That's why you had the dream when you were there. It turns out that the place I worked for was two miles away from the very bed I had that dream in. Literally two miles. I rode my bike back and forth to that job for two years. I mean, it was so it was such synchronicity. You know, I once I found that out, she goes, yeah, it's uh, you know in Fort Lauderdale, and my family's condo was right over here in this area. And I'm like, oh my god, that's right around the corner from where. And it was just such a beautiful miracle, and. Like I said, I worked at this place for two years. It's called Treatment Search. And, you know, I was answering crisis lines. I'm an outreach coordinator. And I would do interventions with people, you know, via phone, working with the family members, speaking with the addicts directly themselves, and, you know, sharing what I've been through, getting them to get open and vulnerable about what it was they were going through. And, trying to be like that voice of reason to be like hey you know there's there's hope out there and it's crazy I mean it's crazy to think that that's what I've turned my life around to do I literally would answer the phone four and a half years ago to ask you what you needed as far as drugs and now I mean you want to talk second chance dreamers I'm answering the phone lines and I'm the person people are calling to look for a way out and look for hope and there's no better dream coming true than that, you know. 
I don't make as much money as I did down the Hunts Point market, but it's not about that for me. It's more rewarding than any paycheck could ever be. It's like I wouldn't change it for the world. I work from home now because I recently moved from Florida. You know, I met a I met a girl, Amber, who has uh, three beautiful sons, and and I fell in love. So you know, I moved to West Virginia, wild and wonderful. So that's where I'm. You know, I'm temporarily there right now, but I work from home, and um, you know, I'll travel to detox centers and you know tell them what, about the treatment facilities I work for through Treatment Search, and. Um, you know, I let them know that I work with long-term treatment centers, that people who are struggling with substance abuse and dual diagnosis, um, you know, that there's hope for them out there and that if they need somebody to talk to while they're in like a detox coming into the hospital, they can call me. Um, you know, I go into just different parts of the hospital too and speak to, you know, people there and say, hey, if somebody comes in and is struggling with a substance abuse issue or was in a car accident, drunk driving, I leave my cards there, my business cards. And... Um, I have people, you know, that reach out to me and get in touch with me and I'm able to find treatment for them. And some people who do this occupation will just help people that have quote unquote good insurance. And yeah, some of the facilities that I work with, you need good insurance to get into, but that's not where it stops for me. I'm just like, oh, you don't have this insurance or this insurance. Sorry, you know, call this number. Like for me, I'm like, okay we're going to look to see where you can go to, you know, I'm going to find somewhere for you to go to because there's nothing worse than feeling lost and hopeless as a drug addict and not knowing how to look even just through your phone to find somewhere to go into. I do the legwork for those people. Even when I don't make a dollar out of it, like I don't need to, to feel whole, you know, I have other work that I do that I get paid for. So when somebody doesn't have that, I still help people because it's not about, you know, becoming a millionaire out of doing this. It's about changing the world. It's about changing families, you know, helping change people's lives. There's nothing more rewarding than that for me. In the two years that I worked at that job, though, I helped over 200 people through God you know, through my higher power, I helped over 200 people get into treatment. And that, it's, you can't put, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't put, I can't put words on that. It's just the feeling of like working through God and like whatever's out there in this universe and doing what's right and doing, you know, fighting the good fight um, and pushing people to, you know, guiding people, not pushing, but, you know, guiding people in the right direction, showing them the light, being that lighthouse that they could come to when they're on a sinking ship is like, wow, there's no greater feeling than that because that ripples off and, you know, and, you know, you don't just change the addict's life, you know, you change their parents and their siblings and their loved one, husbands, wives, grandparents. My grandmother passed in June and uh, she was one of the closest people to me in this entire world and um, I got to see her on her deathbed and uh, her tell me that she was going to pass soon that she was going to pass soon but uh, she felt okay that she was leaving and she was happy because she knew I was in a good place now with my life and I got the opportunity to hear my grandmother tell me that and hold my hand and tell me she was proud of me you know and she died just shortly after that, a few days after that. But that was the last one-on-one -on -one conversation her and I had. And uh, 
I say that because I was somebody who I felt nobody would ever be proud of me. And and then, you know, the very end of her life, somebody who meant the most to me let me know, like, I'm proud of you. You're doing amazing things and um you're where you need to be in your life. And that's what um you know, and, and I'm gonna carry on her spirit and I know that she's with me every step of the way and um you know, and, and everybody else out there that I've lost on this journey along the way. Um, you know, my cousin Richie, who died to a drug overdose when he was 23 years old, uh, who was one of my best friends in this world, and uh, to a friend both you and I know, um, which is a big part of the reason why I'm here today. He's somebody who tied us together. And, um, you know, a bright, beautiful amazing funny spirit and amazing human being uh my friend anthony skander our friend anthony skander um who died in september of 2016 uh he's you know he's with us he's brought us here together today and helps both of us on our paths and um you know i do it so he didn't die in vain you know i tried to help him the best i could and, you know, he was just in such a bad way that, you know, he didn't have the happy ending like me. He doesn't get to sit here and talk to you and have this conversation. And that fucking hurts. But I know he's listening. And I know he's proud of you. And I know he's proud of me. And I know he's going to guide us in the right direction. And, you know, no matter wherever this podcast takes you and my life path takes me no matter what you do if you've reached one person out there and made a difference in one person's life i feel like that's a success so you're already successful in what you're doing because you've reached out to me and i watched you from the shadows you know of what you getting your life together and all the positive things that you've done even through my darkest hours and saw people out there putting love and light out there and gave me hope just even from when I was in a dark place. And that's why I was honored to come here today to talk to you. Because I've looked up to you. You know what I mean? Like, really. I've looked up to you. I've literally, like, looked up to you and saw you and you motivated me. Like, you know, there's people out there that you don't even know you're motivating. Think about that. Like, there's somebody out there you don't even know you're motivating. You didn't know where I was or in a dark place in my room by myself up for three days and scrolling on my feed and shit. I see a picture of you doing great things and in great shape and putting positive messages out there. And it's just like planting a seed in, in someone's mind that's going to push them to chase their dreams. It's going to motivate them. And I'm so proud of you for like opening up this platform for people to come here and to put out positivity. I really, really, I'm so grateful to have you in my life. And anytime that you need me in your life, I mean, I'm here. And anytime you want me to come on this podcast and share my experiences and anything else that I've gone through along the way, because I mean, in reality, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. That's what John Lennon said. And it's so true because you can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. Great things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But we can persevere through them. You know, through unity, through love, being here for each other, supporting each other, 
putting love out into the world, putting positive messages out into the world, you can reach out and like give your hand to somebody and be like, it's okay. And I know that that's what this podcast is going to do. You know, it's people showing people, yeah, okay, well, I made a complete career change in doing this. And, you know, I, I went to doing this and like, people are going to be inspired by that just to feel like they don't have to ever feel like they're stagnant in one place. And there's no room for growth. There's no room for change. Life is all about growth and change and evolving. And, you know, that's what you've done. I mean, you're a prime example of it. And it's such a beautiful thing to witness and now be a part of, you know. And I know that, you know, your your grandfather is smiling down and right here with you and going to keep you moving onward and upward. And, um, you know, with that being said, I wish you all the success and all the love, light and positivity I know you're going to inspire and motivate so many people. You you are illuminate such light and your aura is of such bright positive energy and love that um I know the right people will gravitate to you here and um yeah, I just want to let you know I love you and uh you're going to do great things. We're going to do great things. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. And thanks. Uh, no, it, it, it's it's part of it. I mean, it's part of it. It's real. It's raw because we're all just we're all people out here in the world. You know, it's I learned how to cry again. You know, I had to learn to be like uh, a guy and just say, hey, it's OK. I'm just a person. I can cry. I can let all my tears go. I could cry in front of you today. You know, I'm a man and I'm older than you. And I sat here and cried in front of you on a a number of occasions today while I'm speaking because I'm feeling and with feeling comes healing and with that comes growth and and change and um you know I just I want to you know thank God and Jesus and my family and everybody who's helped me get here today you know every person like I'm going to close with this you said it like about me posting on Facebook six months you know Every person that took the time out to click the like button, to click the heart button, to message me in private on Facebook, like all that means so much. All the people who before I came on this podcast, they were like, yo, let me know when I can listen to it. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Like, you know, I love you, man. You're, you know, you've inspired me. I, I got to hear what, like, I love you guys. You guys have inspired me. You guys have helped keep me alive. You help show me the meaning of love, life, and family. You know, everybody out there that did the simplest thing is like, click a like button to, I support you, Mike. I know, you know, we know you were in a bad place. I like that. You know, you're doing good now. You know, that's, and and that doesn't feed my ego, but that just like, it gives me a little more drive. You know, I know how you'll feel like if somebody downloads this and then tells their friend like, hey, listen to this, you know, like. And then that just gives you a little more drive. Like, yeah, I'm going the right way. And, and that's, you know, that's what it's all about. And I appreciate you. Like I said, I'm very, very grateful. Um, and I, you know, anything you ever need, I'm here for you. This has been the best experience that I've had on this podcast journey. And like I said, he is making me cry. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, 
It's just because you never know the impact that you have on somebody and you never realize how like deeply connected you can be with somebody else and listening to what they go through and relating and being compassionate and, and watching somebody grow. You know, I've seen you become the person that you're that you're now yeah. that you now are yeah. and you're an amazing man with a captivating story. Yeah. I feel like you need to come on again. We need to go over how talented you are musically and and the impact that you have on people's lives there. And um I know this is like really crazy but I just know that um our friend X is here today. I know it. I feel it. And um, I'm just so happy that even though people can't be with us, they still are. 100%. And um, just thank you so much for sharing with me, for supporting me and all your kind words and the amazing crystals that you got for me and just the love that, um, like you said, like it doesn't really matter about likes or comments or whatever, but it's you've always been supportive of me. And I've always really appreciated that. And I just thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. I just wanted to reciprocate what you do for other people. And, you know, give that same love back that you've been giving to so many for so long. And, um, you know, just being able to come on here. And like I said, if, if, uh, if today you and I have reached one person that was like our dear friend X, who didn't make it through that life journey and that battle with addiction and didn't come out the other side and have a happy ending, if we can get that one person out there that we've affected their life, just one, then this has been this has been a success. And I already know that it has. With that being said, if anybody out there is listening and needs help and is struggling with substance abuse issues, with depression, with suicidal thoughts, my personal phone number is 845-608-0218. I can be reached also at Instagram at mast9, M-A-S-T-9. That's my Instagram handle. And if you wish to email me, you could do that as well. My email is, uh, it's very fitting. It's long, but it was, that was then, this is now, nine, at Gmail. So that's, that was then, this is now nine at Gmail. Um, feel free to contact me in any way. If you want to just call me and remain anonymous and you know dial my number, feel free. Don't feel embarrassed, ashamed, or you know anything like that. Just know that I'm here and um, you know looking to spread love and give you some hope and get you going in the right direction. So. Um, you know, that's, that's my personal cell phone number, but I work with treatment search and I'd be glad to help you or a loved one, anybody out there that's struggling. So feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know people will definitely resonate with this and reach out to you. You're probably going to get a lot of people contacting you after this airs. Um, and hopefully a lot of people who are just inspired, reach out and thank you for being so vulnerable and, and sharing your story and and I know that you're going to touch more than one person's life with this and 
You've definitely gotten my full attention. Oh, well, and you're a great storyteller. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. It's tough. And, you know, I get sidetracked. Keep in mind, I'm not looking to make excuses, but I've had, I had brain surgery, so I get going in different directions. And I try my very, very best to stay on topic and tell things thoroughly, but sometimes you have to backtrack. And, you know, but um, I think anybody who's listened all the way through gets the main message of what I was left here to say. You know, you, you get you get the message of what... I was sent here and left here to say. So, you know, and that's a message of hope. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on again. When are you going to come back to New York? Um, I should be back in probably a couple months. So I'll be back this summer. It'll probably be by June. So if you want to, uh, you know. So June, we have the continuation of the Mike Turco story. (laughs) And I'll come on and I'll perform something next time. So, you know, if you want me to to do something, we could do a little uh, performance for the podcast. But I figured this would be good to give an introduction for people to get to know me. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I'm working on dropping an album that's called That Was Then, This Is Now. And, you know, my, my artist name is Mass9. So that's what I'm in the process of working on right now, as well as working in treatment, helping people, uh, you know, find their way back. And, um, so, you know, so that's what I'll be doing until I see you again. So I'll, hopefully I'll have, uh, not hopefully, I know I'll have some good material to show you musically and um, some more, you know, catch you up on what I've been doing. And, you know, um, if you want to share what you've been doing at that time, too. All right. So be sure to follow him. Check out his videos. He's got some great music already out there if you're interested. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll check you guys next time. Peace out. All right. Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) (laughs) That's like one of my favorite lines. From Jason Confused. Yeah, Yeah. I I knew I was going out with that at the end of the day. That was awesome. Check you later. I made the change from a common thief to up close and personal with Robin Leach. Yeah. And I'm far from cheap. I smoke stuff with my peeps all day. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. The Moet and Alize keep me pissy. Girls used to diss me. Now they write letters cause they miss me. I never thought it could happen, this rapping stuff. I was too used to packing gats and stuff. Now honeys play me close like butter play toast. From the Mississippi down to the East Coast. Condos and Queens in dough for weeks. Sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak. Living life without fear. Putting five carrots in my baby girl ear. Lunches, brunches, interviews by the fool. Considered a fool cause I dropped out of high school. Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood. And it's still all good, uh. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. 50 inch screen, money green, leather sofa. Got two rides, a limousine with the chauffeur. Phone bill about 2G's flat. No need to worry, my accountant handles that. And my whole crew is lounging. Celebrating every day, no more public housing. Thinking back on my one room shack. Now my mom pimps a act with minks on her back. And she loves to show me off, of course. Smiles every time my face is up in the source. 
We used to fuss when the landlord dissed us. No heat. Wonder why Christmas missed us. Birthdays was the worst days. Now we sip champagne when we thirsty. Uh, damn right, I like the life I live. Cause I went from negative to positive, and it's all. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know. That's right.